It is Friday, September 4th, 2020, and this is episode 89 of the World of Sports podcast and radio show, short episode edition. Welcome to episode 89 of the World of Sports podcast radio show, short episode edition. I'm Zach Rudenstein. Thank you for listening to whenever you're listening, I guess. Um, A while ago, I guess this has now been weeks ago, uh, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, both Power Five conferences, major conferences in in collegiate sports, um, the Pac-12 being the West Coast, the Big Ten being the Midwest area or so, because some of these conferences extend in the different directions. Um, announced that they were going to suspend their college football seasons and push them back into the spring. Um, the Pac-12 was a little bit less specific, kind of just said we're, we're not sure what we're going to do. Um, the Big Ten was a little more specific, um, saying that they were going to push back definitely until the spring. Um, but the other conferences around them continued to, to, stay, to stay going, uh, most notably the other three of the Power Five, the uh, the SEC Southeastern Southeastern Conference, the ACC the Atlantic Coast Conference, um, and the Big Twelve, which is kind of the the bottom, like central part of the country to like down south, um, those conferences all decided to continue to play football. They should be starting up in about a month, a little bit less in the next month or so, um, will be the beginning of the college football season, and. The part that has kind of stuck out to stuck out to me has been the difference between the way the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have handled the days since they announced their closing. Uh, prior to both conferences announcing they were going to stop playing football, um, the both comp, both students students in both conferences decided that they were, you know, going to try to play under certain conditions and, and have a certain amount of recognition um, towards social causes, towards safety, and that kind of came and went, and, and the conferences made their decisions. Um, and the Pac-12, in the days following their decision, sat down with the media, was very transparent, um, and, and gave a very clear reason as to why they weren't playing. Um, they were afraid of, and they are afraid of, I guess nothing's particularly changed, um, of a medical condition called myocarditis, uh, which is an inflammation of the heart. Um, and they had believed, and they do believe, because, again, this hasn't changed yet, that some athletes in the Big Ten, actually was their focus group, were developing um, this condition after having coronavirus, even without major symptoms. So these were not necessarily players getting really sick. Um, I believe in some cases these were even asymptomatic players. Um and that is a real problem because it can lead myocarditis can lead to some serious problems, um, real life medical problems, heart problems, um, everything from heart attacks to, you know, just the heart suddenly stopping and, and other, you know, heart failure stuff. Uh, very serious things and that can be easily avoided by just not playing sports. Um, and this is worth a lot of money, but it's not worth someone's life. And the Pac-12 community accepted that now. It should be noted that the Pac-12 schools um, decided that they were going to, most of them, 
were going to go online or be very careful and cautious about their opening. Um, and so it's very likely that that played a role into how this was perceived, right? Pac-12 schools that aren't going to be on campus, like USC and UCLA, are a little bit less likely to be upset about not playing football when it it goes into their – it can be used, I guess, um, but as their – way of saying, look, we made the right decision. Look, it's not even safe to play football. And that probably is played playing a bigger role than I'm even giving it credit for. But the Big Ten didn't have that. And mind you, this was the Big Ten's data to begin with. And there's been some discussion about, you know, how many players actually have myocarditis. There were reports this week that stated like 30% of players had it, which was incredibly high. Uh, that number was not told to be true. But it's still unclear, and it's still a high enough percentage that it has the Pac-12 worried. The Big Ten, on the other hand, is kind of in a different boat. Their teams, their schools, and their experts, and their conference seem to be kind of on the same page as the Pac-12. But unlike the Pac-12, the fans and players, really, um, and families of the players were not on board. And that's the difference. In the Pac-12, the families said, you know what, we understand that you want to do what's best. We are not going to play. And keep in mind, a lot of the players from the Pac-12 that are seniors or are they're pretty close to the draft are playing in conferences that are playing. They've transferred out and they're going to go to other schools. But the Big Ten's players and and fan support systems around them did not take this news the same way. Um, they more were upset and seemed to protest and have been continuously now for the last month. Because they seem to think think that it should be their choice to play. Now, I will tell you that this seems to be completely counter to their own interest um, in terms of health. The ultimate goal here is to remain healthy. Now, these originally there was talk about these schools not providing for athletes and 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 you know it may not be safer for them to go home or, or just be in the community. Even the Pac-12, every school, regardless of whether or not they're playing football, is caring for their student-athletes like they're playing, which takes away that entire legitimate line of questioning. But the Pac-12 seems to be like on board with safety in a way that the Big Ten isn't. And the other conferences that are playing maybe don't have the same conclusions, don't have the same information, don't believe the same stuff. And that's a discussion for another episode. But... Why the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have the same information and believe the same thing, and yet the people around them are taking it differently, is can come down to a couple different reasons. And and they have to be those have to be the reasons because that seems to be the world we're in. Um, the first is that it means more, uh, and that's a crucial part, and that's hard to overlook on this. Um, it means more. Football means more. Now, of course, it means more for for sports networks, ESPN, Fox. Um, and they're also kind of another episode into this. But the what we don't realize, I think, is just people, uh, is how much little-slash-big sporting events really do drive economic growth. And this gets into, the you know, jumps out of sports and into to politics or, or, you know, economics and other, and other, you know, more maybe boring topics. Um but the idea that that masses of people descend onto one stadium means that there's a lot of money exchanging hands even outside of the stadium. 
There are people going to bars and restaurants around the stadium before the game, after the game, spending money in both places. There's people paying for parking, people paying for hotel rooms because they're flying in and out to see their team play as the road team. And, and it adds up to, to hundreds of millions of dollars in some cases um, through direct or indirect economic benefit. And that is hard to swallow going away in the middle of a pandemic. You, when, when money's already tough, when people aren't going out, the last thing you want to do is cut off any supply of it. Now, even in the best of circumstances, you would not have a full stadium. You would not have the economic boost that this provides. But if you can get 20% of your fans in, 25%, which is seeming like the max number is about 20 to 25%, that's something, right? Restaurants in some states can be you know, 25 to 75% full which means you're making something back. Um, and it's encouraging for these schools and these communities, not just the schools themselves, to have something going for them. Now, for the school, there's another financial benefit to this, and I don't think this is more than other communities. So, for example, I, I can pretty clearly and confidently say that the economy around uh, Madison – surrounding University of Wisconsin-Madison's football program, is there's more money coming in than there is in Tucson, for example, here for U of A. Um, it means more. It's more important for that area to have that money coming in. The school, on the other hand, I don't know, and I don't think it's a whole lot more if it is. Um, the University of Wisconsin versus the University of Arizona may not make a whole lot more money um, for their school. Now they might. There's television revenue. Uh, there's ticket sales. Wisconsin sells more tickets for their team than U of A does. Um, but let's say that the schools are about even, right? They they want the attention maybe for, for potential students. That's where this really comes in. But it's not a whole lot beyond that. Um, it really is the community. And by the way, that's why Wisconsin, I think, was willing to say, you know, we're not going to have a football season this year. And why the town around them said, hold on a second, we really do. Now, what about the players in this? Why do the players want it? You get why the community wants it. They're not the ones putting their bodies on the line. Why do the players want it? Well, the players want it because a few reasons. The first is they want to play. They like to play football, and they want to play. And it's not fun to take the game away from them, even if it is for legitimate medical reasons that I bet they don't think they really are in danger of. The second is draft stock. Some of these guys are seniors or juniors, and they're looking at going to the draft. And getting to play in a season, even without fans, even if it's three or four games, anything can make your draft stock higher, which means you're going to the NFL in a better round, which means you're getting a better signing bonus, which means you're getting a better contract, you're getting more attention, right? Off the bat, just a few games here or there can can make your life entirely different. And so to take that away is can be devastating. I mean, it could you could even make the argument that it's worth taking the risk for some of these players. That it's even if they that the, the risk of myocarditis is not as big as the risk of missing out on the opportunity that the NFL provides, and that's a huge part of this. But the last part of this is attention. Some of these players just want it. They want the attention. They want the attention that they get on campus. They want the attention from the fans. You know, th- these guys play because they like the game, but they also play because they get attention doing it. And they want the attention, and they want people to watch them, and they 
They enjoy they enjoy the entertainment factor of it, um, and that's playing a role. I I'm sure, and that is kind of hard because that's you know it's kind of the emotional heartstrings of some of these players, and not necessarily the the way things actually are are, um, and so that's complicated. Um, as of now, by the way, this has kind of worked. The Big Ten has looked at possibly starting in October. Um, or maybe like November. Now, the Pac-12, if they wanted to play, by the way, ne- couldn't necessarily right away. Um, California isn't really letting their athletes get back, and that's a huge part of the conference. Um, so the Pac-12, they can't even probably start until Thanksgiving anyway. Um, but the Big Ten could. They could get off the ground in probably mid-October. Um, if they really wanted to, they could get every. They already have most of their students back on campus anyway. Now, the other question is, what about the COVID outbreak that already exists? Right. This is this has nothing to do with myocarditis. Let's say, let's take that part out of it. Let's just say this has to do with illness. Um, Thursday, I saw, for example, using my school again, the University of Arizona reported an outbreak on the soccer team, women's soccer team. Um, this is a common factor. Ohio State recorded like, I think it was like 800 cases in a matter of days. Um, Alabama was over 1,200 not that long ago. These are there are massive outbreaks on these campuses. So the next question is, is there reason not to play because of just sickness? Like, these guys don't want to get sick. Um, And to be honest, I don't know. I think that they are going to – we've seen other sports work through some of these uh, outbreaks, whether they're professional. For the most part, they've been professional, but there's no reason to think colleges would handle them differently. They've already gone to conference only, and I think you would see that. Um, continue to hold. There's some flexibility built in. Uh, if a team had an outbreak, they would address it accordingly. So uh, I, for the first time ever, I'm actually going to say that I don't think an outbreak would be the problem, long-term at least. Um, these schools have seemingly, I, I don't know if it's, if, if it's because they don't seem to care anymore, if it's because it doesn't seem to bother them anymore, but the idea that, that, that a, a, an outbreak would shut them down uh, long term just doesn't seem to happen in sports even where outbreaks do exist um, so anyway it's an interesting conversation um, we will see what was going what will happen going forward this will not be the last episode um, and anyway I will talk to you tomorrow for a Saturday episode of the world sports podcast and radio show short episode edition